get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saluton, estas me, Tyson Saner, your host for this seasonally appropriate episode of Succotash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast, Halloween-Giving Edition. Yes, it's that special time situated perineumesquely between Halloween and Thanksgiving. The midterms have come and gone, and hoo boy, ghosts and turkeys everywhere. Comedy and conversations become essential. People have those conversations, record them, and release them as Comedy Soundcasts. And how do you find Comedy Soundcasts? You turn right at Greenland. But seriously, folks, it wouldn't be a Halloween-giving episode without a turkey of a joke. Or two. Also, the punchline of that joke is from A Hard Day's Night, which I am not plagiarizing. I'm merely pointing out that the punchline is arguably funnier in context. And of course, that's completely subjective. And, as I'm fond of saying, so is comedy. I'm calling that joke a turkey because I want to mention turkey again. I'm hungry, okay? I'd have turkey off the bone 20 times a year if it were convenient to do so. I already use ground turkey for taco meat, and I'll, more occasionally than I would like, mind you, enjoy strips of turkey bacon flaked into a nice pea soup instead of ham. Pea soup is awesome, and fiber is even more important than a sense of humor. Believe me, kids. So, how do you find comedy soundcasts? I find them by going to places like Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, PodBay, and Laughable. Laughable actually recommends soundcasts to me based on comedians I'm looking for, and has featured comedians that are suggested when I'm browsing the app. At least one of the soundcasts featured in this episode was recommended to me by the app, and because of the sheer amount of listening to comedy soundcasts I do, I really appreciate the suggestions that the app gives me. I also find soundcasts by listening to soundcasts, and the commercials for other soundcasts that might be heard before, mid, and after the main content of soundcasts from certain networks. That's one of the reasons you'll hear soundcasts from the Earwolf Network, Starburns Audio, and All Things Comedy so often. I also try to feature shows that feature people whose names I had not read or heard of before my searching for potential clip material brought their existence to my attention. So again, how do you find comedy soundcasts? No rush to respond, just think about it for a bit and get back to me. In the meantime, we've got clips from Screams and Moans Returns, Get Up On This, The Aggie Fox and Dana Podcast, Never Seen It, Fat Pig, and The Boogie Monster. We've also loaded the show with two timely bursts of durst and selected readings from TrumpPoetry.com. So let's dig in. Before we get to the clips, we've got our first burst o' durst from Raging Moderate Will Durst. This is from October 27th, 2018, titled Scary Scary, in which our intrepid correspondent goes all spooky, knocking around with hobgoblins and ghouls. Hey guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about that very scary time of year when hollow-eyed costumed creatures come begging for treats and when not receiving them threaten tricks. It can only mean one of two things. Either it's Halloween or the following Tuesday is Election Day. And this year, both are going down within a week of each other. Scary, scary. The two events have much more in common than simply sharing the same linear space of a calendar page. The smell of desperation and the giddy excitement of prepubescent children as the day approaches are just a couple. And purely as a public service, we here at Dursko have compiled a top ten list of other reasons why Halloween is monstrously like Election Day. Number 10. People go around pretending to be somebody or something they aren't. Number 9. Greed is not only encouraged, but richly rewarded. Number 8. Ronald Reagan and Mickey Mouse are perennial favorites of both activities. Number 7. The scariest faces are often found under the masks. Number 6. Zombies wandering the streets everywhere you look. Number 5. Mitch McConnell is an honorary mascot of both. Number four, the really hard work often goes on in dark places where secrecy reigns. Number three, warnings not to get involved are continually made and go unheeded. Number two, MSNBC, Fox News, and Turner Classic Movies all delight in running horror marathons. 
And the number one reason why Election Day is like Halloween, this year a major focus of both events will be an orange-skinned vegetable. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Scary, scary. Thank you, Will Durst. All right, one more thing before we get into the clips. I've had something from the Suckatash hotline sent along. Now, the hotline is a non-toll-free number that you can call, 818-921-7212, to leave a message for us that we will hear and likely play on the show. So let's open this one up and, oh, okay, this is from Hunter Block. How awesome is this? Like, you can actually, like, leave a message for Suckatash. Um, I've ever done this once before. I'm Hunter, by the way, of Antisocial Show. But since the number was available for me to call, I decided to call. Um, but, yeah, very awesome. Um, take a listen to them. You can't go wrong. You want uh, cool, awesome, epic, uh, funny. Um, you want to be introduced to various different types of soundcasts. Um, definitely suck a dash. Uh, go check it out. Uh, go to iTunes. Give them a five-star rating. Give them a good review. Talk him up, and uh, have fun, and peace. And thank you very much, Hunter Block. <laughs> if you'd like to call the hotline, once again, that is non-toll-free, and it is 818-921-7212. That is 818-921-7212. Right? Right. All right, let's get into the clips. First up tonight, it's Screams and Moans Returns. Rising from the ashes of Screams and Moans, it's Screams and Moans Returns with Megan M. and Melissa Maples. Its episode description from its homepage reads, Screams and Moans Returns, and as I ease back into my hosting seat, I'm joined by the lovely Melissa Maples. We discuss Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and I have more than a few questions for Melissa during the second half. It's still a podcast about movies and sex, but not together because that would be porn. The plan is to release one episode a month. Going forward, my current guest will ask the next guest a sex-related question. For next month's episode, I'll be asking, quote, What new things have you learned about sex from the internet? Now, as myself, Tyson, I'd like to add a side note. The movie featured in this episode, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, was filmed very close to where I grew up and currently reside. There's a lovely cheese factory in Lolita, the town that stood in for the town called Santa Mira. Now, this episode of Screams and Moans Returns, number one, was released November 3rd, 2018, and features talk of fear of technology, clowns, and how knitting fits into various horror films. Side side note, the town of Lolita in Northern California is geographically very close to Ferndale, California, whose Victorian-style houses and historic Main Street has been featured in a couple of major motion pictures, namely Wolfgang Peterson's Outbreak from 1995 and Frank Darabont's The Majestic from 2001. I was going to say, and and speaking of, you know, you it's interesting you said about kind of the technology piece, because I didn't think about it until you said it, but it was also the concept that this toy maker had turned all these robots into killing machines for him. And I thought as well, it for sure had to kind of buy into at the time that, you know, oh, we're going to develop all this technology and robots and, you know, and it's going to take point, over. It would almost, yeah, that essentially robots are going to take over, you know, your jobs, your livelihood, and then now Which they're going to kill you that's as well. Yeah, that's, that's the exact same thing that people are afraid of now, is that artificial intelligence is going to get out of control and the robots are going to take over. Oh, I, we never I change, do we? I don't want to buy into that. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just the human condition of being afraid about not being in control. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is, is really what that's all about. Now you're going to get me on a geeky tangent of AI. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I was at a presentation about it earlier this year. And, you know, one of the people who actually work with machine learning and AI is like, obviously, you have to, you have to teach it. You have to watch it. You, there has to be parameters set because um, the example they gave was, I don't know if you remember when Twitter released basically a tweet bot. Yeah, that and she became she, yeah she became a horrible racist within a few hours. <laughs> yeah, it took less than I think it was twelve hours to basically become a Nazi. Yeah. So um... <laughs> yeah, she yeah she was horrible, and then then they just took her offline. Yeah, she just disappeared. So um, probably for the best. Yeah. Um... <laughs> because if there's one thing the world doesn't need more of, it's racists. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
We don't need to. We don't need to be having artificial racists. We've got enough that are just naturally occurring in the world. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even need to artificially make them. We have plenty. Yeah, we have plenty. (laughs) Thanks. Too many already. Yeah, you can keep your racist robots to yourself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But that also kind of actually about robots reminds me. I said earlier that when you rewatch a film, sometimes you notice things that you didn't before. And actually, it was only this time that I noticed when he's kind of running through the factory looking for Ellie that there's a robot that's knitting. And of course, yeah, I only noticed because I love, yeah, I love knitting and crochet. But I thought, you know, actually, this is not the first horror movie I've witnessed that in. And I feel like at some point I might have to do, and I, I apologize in advance to any listeners, but legitimate an episode just about knitting scenes in in horror films yeah yeah i yeah i think it's 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 so funny that there's some things that you think aren't inherently scary like um clowns clowns are supposed to be you know happy things at children's birthday parties and yet they feature quite heavily in horror films because there's there's something just unsettling about them there's something creepy you could definitely understand. I mean, you know, there's, there's been some pretty major films that feature clowns as the bad guy. And it's, yeah, it's it's the same thing with, there are a lot of things around children that are seemingly so innocent that really do pop up quite frequently in horror films. And I think maybe the, the, the knitting and the crocheting kind of ties in with that. Because again, it's something that you think about a sweet old granny is doing this for her grandkids it's something super wholesome, super innocent. And yet, when you see her in that chair knitting, you know something bad's about to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in other movies, I've seen people stab yep. with knitting needles or in the, I think it was, it might have been the original Halloween, actually. She's knitting to kind of spend the time while she's watching right, yeah. children. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just a I think it's just the, the, the quintessential um, <laughs> wholesome hobby knitting and crocheting and so if you can turn that into something horrible then you know it makes for a nice surprise in a film yeah i get what you say about wholesome although i'm thinking with some of my projects that i've done i I don't know that i would call them wholesome yeah yeah when we put you and knitting together that's a different thing i mean i once sent a bunch of listeners some crocheted vaginas (laughs) that were actually chapstick holders yeah, that sounds like something you would do for sure. Because who doesn't well, want a indeed, vagina? Indeed, everyone holder. everyone has to have one. You know, for the person who has everything, what you know, what do you get them? A crocheted vagina. <laughs> yeah. There is an intermission skit called The Nutritionist, which was written by Megan and performed by a bunch of people, uh, including executive producer Mark Hershon, uh Davine Dent from the Bitter Sound, and River Zambezi and Norman Trousers from Custom Earth Podcast. Also, uh, the person who helped edit it uh, goes by ShortSci on Twitter. That is at S-H-O-R-T-S-I-G-H. So if you like the show, you can reach out to them on Twitter at Screams and Moans. That is S-C-R-E-A-M-S-A-N-D-M-O-A-N-S. Megan M. is at Podcast Whore. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-W-H-O-R-E. Melissa Maples at M-E-L-I-S-S-A-M-A-P-L-E-S. You can go to screamsandmoans.com, where I assume future episodes will be housed. The second soundcast clip for the show is from a soundcast that has entered a new phase. The show is Get Up On This by Jensen Carp and Matthew Robinson. It started off on Kevin Smith's Smodcast Network and eventually moved to the Earwolf Network. Here's the official description from iTunes. Jensen Carp and co-host Matthew Robinson sit with a different guest each week and get you up on, or up off, new stuff. They'll introduce you to musicians, TV shows, apps, and many more things, knowing you just don't have the time to sift through that shit. In the episode description, it reads, Jensen Carp and Matthew Robinson present the last episode of Get Up On This. Yes, that's right. They address the future of the podcast, look back, and favorite moments from the show, and hit you with their top 10 Get Up Ons of all time. So this clip is from their last episode, 371, from October 30th, 2018. In it, Matt Robinson and Jensen Carp share their number four picks. 
Matt, your number four. My number four is my final board game pick of okay. the top ten. New board game in the top three. But 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 you heard it here first. It seems like a weird horn from your mouth. This is the uh, the pick that to me was my favorite board game pick of the whole time, mm-hmm. and the one that that I spent my most amount of time with. That is Netrunner. Yeah, you love Android. Netrunner. Netrunner, yeah. the card game. I never connected with it. Netrunner is a competitive two-player LCG living card game, meaning that uh, there are no random packs to buy and buy the cards. Uh, Netrunner is also a dead game now. Oh, uh, really? It is discontinued. They have ended it. They have, uh, I believe, lost the license maybe even. Mm. Uh, regardless, they are not making Netrunner anymore. It was a incredible game. I played in many tournaments. So I now went- it's just over. It is. It is. You no can't long, even play it. Well, you can play it, but there's. Just, it's not supported. There are no new cards coming out. Mm-hmm. There are no. Do people still play it? Uh, actually, am, am I actually totally talking shit right now? No, because uh, I just went to the page and everything's not available. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. No, they rebooted it, and I think it didn't work. Got I it. Could be, I could be so wrong right now. Well, no, there yeah. was a page from three days ago called the Final Days of Netrunner. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it is over. I think it is over. That's how little I know about it anymore. But it, I know they rebooted it like two years ago, and I don't think it, I mean, people cared. Um, but it is a uh, asymmetrical card game. One person is the runner. Yeah, it's, one three person day, is three the days ago, an article ran, what happens when your hobby is canceled? Right. Yeah. Uh, one person is the corporation. One person is the runner. It is basically Neuromancer, the card game, yeah. uh, which is my favorite book ever. And uh, you are trying to hack a corporation and steal all of their secrets, and they are trying to murder you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so fun and so cool, and the artwork is amazing, and I love the whole world, and it was cyberpunk, and it was brilliant, and it was like... People who played it were really smart, and it was a really smart game, and it was just, it was to me the peak of card games, mm-hmm. and um, I will never have time for something like that again, <laughs> yeah. and I was single, and I didn't have a baby, and my career was not as busy as it is now, and I had time to go to tournaments and play for eight hours at a time. I remember those and days. those were special days. I remember those days. Uh, okay. That was from, by the way, our second top ten ever, and that was from January 8th, 2013, when that episode dropped. My number four is also a Matt Robinson pick. Oh. Uh, happy about this one, the Nintendo Switch. But, 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 quite, but, quite a decision. Would have been my number eleven. Not even sure I would have owned a video game system no. in 2018. I, I probably would have given it up completely. 2017, which, you bought that. I yeah, which would have made Danielle very happy. So this is a pick that she's furious with. Mm. The Nintendo Switch is an incredible system mm-hmm. that is pick up and play. You can take it with you on vacation. It is uh, filled with games like Mario Party and Mario Kart. and uh, That's it. There's Mario Party, and Mario Kart, <laughs> and Mario games. Pants, and Mario Shoes. And Everybody's Golf, which I love. Mario Golf. Golf Story, Mario which I love. Uh, so many good things. And uh, Nintendo Mario Switch was Bar something Mitzvah. without Maddie telling me to get it. And also the first time he brought it over when there weren't any games and he was like, here are the arms. I was yeah. like, this is stupid. But the Switch got so much better. Yo, the games got better. Dope. No, it wasn't. It was awful. Uh, but Switch got better, and uh, it was a great pick by Matt. Now, here's the thing. You can still tweet at the show, for now, at GetUpOnJensen, which is at capital G-E-T, capital U-P, capital O-N, capital J-E-N-S-E-N. Now, why would you want to do that? That's because the show has a new host and will be continuing. That new host is Allison Siegel. She can be reached on Twitter at OnlineAllison, that is capital O-N-L-I-N-E, capital A-L-I-S-O-N. You can still reach Jensen Carp on Twitter at JensenClan88, that is capital J-E-N-S-E-N, capital C-L-A-N-8-8. Matt Robinson is at Mr. Matt Robinson, that is capital M-R, capital M-A-T-T, capital R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. Allison Siegel's new co-host has not been formally announced as of this recording, but the show can still be found at Earwolf, that is www.earwolf.com, E-A-R-W-O-L-F, forward slash show, forward slash get, hyphen, up, hyphen, on, hyphen, this. And you can go to a site that has all of their past topics archived, which is at www.gotuponthis.com, which is G-O-T-U-P-O-N-T-H-I-S. I remember listening to the show at the very beginning, eight years ago, and I'm excited to see where it's going next or to listen to, so it is likely that the new show will end up clipped for this program. It's pretty likely. All right. Third up, the Aggie Fox and Dana podcast by Aggie Fox Podcast. Its description is, Join Aggie and Dana as they explore the great and god-awful world and play one-third of an hour with a different guest each episode. Right, so this clip is from the very first episode from October 19th, 2018. 
midway through a segment called The Great and the God-Awful, in which host Dana Lucas is midway into recounting an unpleasant experience for her contribution to the God-Awful portion of the segment, as we join her and host Aggie Fox. So I sit down, and there's this man sitting in front of me, slouched. That doesn't bother me. And then he starts talking to me. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a rude person. I can never be rude to people. So when, he, when we stopped at a signal and he started asking me questions like, how long are we going to be? I'm just going, well, I suppose we're just waiting for the green. You know, I don't know. I'm, I should have really said, well, I'll pop down the front and ask the driver for you. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go and find the guard. Then he starts talking about the tubes, like, do I know what time the tubes run to? And I'm thinking, you've got a phone there. You could Google it. You know, you could tell, <laughs> find out what times. And then he asks, where do I, where do I live? Do I live in London? So I, I just went, well, yeah, I sort of live there, you know. And I said, but it's far too busy for me. And that's when things went downhill because he then started a rant about how, um, there were too many foreigners. Oh God. And how, and this is me saying this, how us white people, that's what he said. And I just looked at him and I thought, right, I'm not taking this. I gathered all my stuff up. Literally, I packed everything away and I stood up and said, actually, I think I need the other side at the end of the train. And by the way, I'm a foreigner. The look on his face, <laughs> the look on his face. It was, it was, it was a picture. It was, it, I tell you, his face just dropped. I just repeated it. Oh, I'm a foreigner. And then just walked, walked oh, away. God, and okay. I thought, right. I'll walk two I'll walk two carriages away because if he does get off at Euston I might bump into him again. <laughs> so, I, so I deliberately walked down two carriages, sat down, and that's when for the rest of the journey I was high as a kite because a few seats away there were guys smoking weed. So <laughs> that slow trip to London was a real high. <laughs> so it so it started off as a moan and it ended up as a slight woohoo. They are sorry. <laughs> That's, right, mate. That's the sort of story we like. What, what about you? What have you got? Well, my god awful is, uh, and he's, he's someone that may well come up quite a lot, but it's fucking Piers Morgan. Oh, uh, on, <laughs> and, and specifically this whole thing that sort of started off with Twitter with him poking fun at Daniel Craig for carrying his baby in a papoose. And I don't know why it just got my fucking blood boiling so much. I mean, I, I'm a very hands-on dad. And, you know, I, 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 I think I know most people now are, really, and a lot more sort of involved, fathers are, and a lot more involved in it and everything like that. But he used the word emasculated. It's a, it's a oh, look, not you, 007, too. Emasculated father. And I just thought, it's, oh, it's, there is nothing... Uh, sort of emasculating about a man caring for his child in that way and carrying his child and doing this sort of thing. And the the fact that there is still some fucking dinosaurs and fucking idiots out there who have this idea that of, 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 of being what a man is and being what a father is. And it's just, oh, it just fucking drives me mad. It's everything that I kind of stand against. I'm, I'm the one that kind of, like, well, you know, both me and my wife, we share the, we share all the parental loads, we put all the responsibilities. But I'm with, I was always been involved in changing nappies, always been involved with sort of carrying them and taking them and, and, and doing all the sort of softer things. And just, just, I cannot believe that someone of such sort of, I don't want to say prominence, but that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? I, I, maybe no, notoriety, I don't know. But just like say something like that. Just, I just, if I'd have seen him, I'd have punched him in the fucking mouth. Mm, mm. But it's, it's, the interesting thing, and I'm just seeing here a quote from Chris Evans, and it says, you really have to be so uncertain about your own masculinity to concern yourself with how another man carries his child. You know, yeah. Any man who wastes time quantifying masculinity is terrified on the inside. And I'm not a big Chris Evans fan, but I have to say... That says it all, doesn't it, it really? It does, it um, does. You know, that, that says it all. And the thing is, fathers, yeah, it's, it's all changed. When, when, when we were growing up, uh, it would have been, it was different. You know, the, the dads, you know, my dad wasn't, he was hands-on in a sense, but he wasn't, you know, didn't do those softer things like you said. And, 
do you know what I mean? The sort of what, what, what would have been classed as the mother's mother's jobs, you know, wife's yeah. jobs. No, it's all changed now, and it's wonderful that things have changed. Oh. And surely it's better for the dad, for for you, for for Daniel Craig to to be closer to yeah, to the child. Absolutely right. Absolutely you know, right. What a bond, what a bond that is. Oh, a bond. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that as a uh, pun. I nice, just realised. Nice pun. Hey. Nice punnage there, Dana. <laughs> uh, anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on Piers Morgan, but that's the thing that got my blood boiling this week. If you like what you heard, you can reach out to the show and possibly Aggie Fox at Aggie Fox Podcast, which is A-G-G-Y-F-O-X-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It appears to be the official Twitter. Dana Lucas can be reached at Misfit Scully, which is at M-I-S-F-I-T-S-C-U-L-L-Y. And you can go to AggieFoxPodcast.Podbean.com to find their homepage. This episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. This year, this Halloween-giving episode of Secatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, will post after the election day. First, one from the 5th of November, 2018. Number 808. Those Democrats, they brought about the schism. They and the press are tearing us apart. And if elected soon enough, they'll start to bring you gun control and socialism. They'll welcome in a sea of brown invaders with Soros pulling strings behind the scenes to flood the voter rolls with welfare queens, then staff the government with freedom haters. Those Democrats are bad and must be beaten. They dream of surfing in on bluish waves, fueled by their gangs of women, Jews, and slaves. With what's at stake, we're not beyond some cheating. A referendum as a midterm race. Tomorrow, see you at the polling place. And the next one, from November 6th, 2018. Number 807. I cheer the end to daily quests for donors and endless stacks of unread campaign mailers. Goodbye to all you online rant and railers and nightly calls from pesky robophoners. Those strategists with shocking revelations about opponents on the radio, distorted claims that just make noses grow. It's voting day in our divided nations. Buy mail in person or choose to abstain, like background actors clinging to their roles. The news will show us heading to the polls. But red or blue, true power will remain. Tonight, percentage, pundits, and projections. Tomorrow, hope for positive directions. And finally, from November 7, 2018, number 806. In elections, some win and some lose. It's America. We get to choose. But still, just the same. Could someone explain Steve King, Brian Kemp, and Ted Cruz? All right, it's clip time again. And in the number four position, it's Never Seen It by Kyle Ayers, Starburns Audio. Its description reads, Famous movies and TV shows rewritten by people who have never seen them and then cast and read in studio. Grab your red vines and settle in for pop culture talk, ridiculous movie-themed games, and reoccurring segments with my dad. The episode description reads, Steve Agee has never seen an American werewolf in London. He rewrites it and reread his script. Joined by friend of the pod, Todd Sklar, we talk Steve being in movies and watching his own work, play Kyle's dad movie trailer game, and more. This clip is from the episode from October 18th, 2018, in which Steve Agee has never seen an American werewolf in London. All right, we ready? Ready. All right. Exterior, Heathrow Airport, early evening. Travelers bustle in and out of the busy terminal. Off camera, we hear a voice yell, Taxi! A cab pulls up and stops. We reveal Michael J. Fox, dressed as his character from Teen Wolf, standing (laughs) curbside. In fact, it is his character from Teen Wolf. Interior, taxi, continuous. Michael J. Fox jumps in. Hello, can you please take me to London? Sure thing, governor. Anywhere specific in London. Actually, yes. Uh, Let me find the address. He starts digging through his his bag as the cab pulls away and out onto the highway. Is it always this cold and gloomy here? Indeed it is, sir. This is England after all. 
Exterior London Bridge, night. We see the cab driving across the bridge into downtown London, England. <laughs> Interior cab, continuous. Where? Would you look at that? Look at what? It's a full moon. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> what, is there a problem? Exterior, cab, continuous. <laughs> As the cab drives along the busy London streets, we hear a guttural scream come from inside. The cab driver starts to swerve out of control. People run to jump out of the way of it as it jumps onto the, the sidewalk and then crashes into Big Ben. After a beat, the cab bursts into flames. From inside the fiery wreckage, Michael J. Fox emerges in full Teen Wolf form. He addresses a crowd of British onlookers. Oh, sorry about that tower, folks. Um, I have a medical condition. <laughs> he howls at the moon and bolts off into the night. Nearby, a woman stands on the street corner looking at the fiery scene. A small child holds her hand. In his other hand, uh, he holds a string fastened to a balloon. Mom, what was that? An American, darling. The child lets go of the string and the balloon floats <laughs> off into the night, <laughs> signifying the child's loss of innocence. His reality is shattered. From this day forward, he will question everything and trust nobody. He will most likely end up in a string of failed relationships and probably uh, addicted to hard drugs. <laughs> Exterior, Buckingham Palace later. Two guards stand watch outside the Queen's Castle. Just another boring night on the job. Hey, Richmond. Yes, Simon. What's the worst thing you've never done? Uh, once when I was 12 years old, I snuck into my parents' room with a cricket bat while they were sleeping. Suddenly, <laughs> Teen Wolf runs up. Excuse me? <laughs> hey, we're having a conversation here. Without warning, Teen Wolf slashes Guard 2's throat with one swipe of his paw. He then jumps over the gate with ease and disappears into the palace. Oh, my God! <laughs> Richmond! Guard 2 lays on the ground, slowly bleeding out. Guard, guard 1 kneels at his side and cradles him in his arms. Richmond struggles to speak, but he's slowly losing consciousness. Richmond! Quick! What did your parents... What did you do to your parents? I must know! Guard 2's eyes roll into the back of his head as he gurgles his last breath of air. Jesus Christ, Richmond, please! What did you do to your parents? Did you kill them with a cricket bat? <laughs> Interior Buckingham Palace continue, <laughs> continuous. We see Queen Elizabeth sitting on the couch eating a corn dog and chasing it down with a delicious doctor... <laughs> A delicious Dr. Pepper. She's watching Project Runway. <sighs> Fuck you, Heidi Klum. Just then the door busts open. Teen Wolf runs in. I beg your pardon. I'm trying to watch the telly. I'm sorry, Your Majesty. I, I really am, but it's, it's a full moon and I must feast on the blood of mortal man. Fuck you, asshole. Oh, like I said, I'm sorry. He lunges at the queen. She jumps off the couch and hops up on the wall and runs across it like Carrie Ann Moss in the opening scene of The Matrix. Teen Wolf is disoriented by her speed and agility. The queen lands on the floor behind Teen Wolf and she kicks him in the back of the head. He stumbles forward, spins around, and takes a swipe at her with his powerful hairy clawed hand. The queen stops his hand with hers effortlessly. She bends his thumb, thumb backward, breaking it. The teen wolf screams, Oh my god, you fucking bitch! You're fucking with the wrong person, boy. The queen pulls up her skirt, revealing she has a large knife strapped to her thigh. <laughs> she pulls it out of the strap and stabs teen wolf in the stomach. <laughs> Fuck! Teen wolf... Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf falls to the floor. Just then, Prince Charles comes running into the room. Mom, are you okay? I thought I heard screaming. He notices the bloody werewolf on the floor and faints. If you like what you heard, you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbay. The show can be reached on Twitter at Never Seen It Show. That is N-E-V-E-R-S-E-E-N-I-T-S-H-O-W. Host Kyle Ayers can be reached at Kyle Ayers at K-Y-L-E-A- Y-E-R-S. Todd Sklar can be reached at Colonel Sklar. That is capital C-O-L-O-N-E-L, capital S-K-L-A-R. And Steve A G can be reached at Steve A G, S-T-E-V-E-A-G-E-E. -E -E. And you can find the show at www.kyleairs.com forward slash never seen it.
and in the number five position, a show that I found through Laughable. A recommended comedian, Jessica Curson, to me. And after pressing the button, I was directed to the soundcast, Fat Pig, by Jessica Curson and Frank Leone. Its iTunes description reads, Have you ever eaten frosting out of the can? Hidden empty pizza boxes under your bed? Fat Pig is all... Fat Pig is full of the bone funny... What? I'm not sure what this next part means. <laughs> Have you ever eaten frosting out of the can? Hidden empty pizza boxes under your bed? And then it says, Fat Pig is full of the bone funny comedians Jessica Curson and Frank Liotti, comma, talking about food addiction, comma, closet eating, comma, binging, comma, diets, comma, shame, comma, fat camp, and cake. Sometimes touching, often bizarre, always hilarious. Fat Pig is a wild ride from start to finish, diving in and pigging out on America's biggest addiction, food. Now the episode description simply reads, Maya Angelou, Mayonnaise, and Betty White's Tits. And the clip is from episode 51, titled Fart Porn, from March 14th, 2018. You know what I found out this week that's really mortifying? What? And I was going to talk about this, like, whenever men in the audience get uncomfortable if I come out of the closet. Yeah. Did you know when you die, they put a giant, huge screw of a butt plug up your ass so that you don't leak? No. Isn't that the most mortifying thing? Like, what? you better hope we don't feel anything. What does it look like? I have to Google that it now. It probably looks like a fucking fire hydrant. I'm going to get one for my flight tomorrow. Mine's going to look like a Empire State Building. By the time I'm that age, I'll be huge. Could you imagine if I laughed every time like that? And then it would go into that cough. Come on, I'm just fucking with you. Come on, I'm just fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. This is a joke. This is a joke. Come on, it's a joke. So what's new? Mm. Living in food denial. Absolute food denial. What do you mean by that? I went to Walmart last night after I took my niece to the movies, and I bought, oh my God. See, I know someone who like stopped talking to me because he was worried about, like who listens to the podcast, who's worried about my health. But I have to be honest, you know, I, why are you smiling? Because I love that someone won't talk to you because they're worried about your health. Well, because that... I know his father, he listens to the podcast, his father died of a weight-related illness. And he, I guess he just, it hit a nerve. Mm-hmm. And he lives far away, so we can't do sex. Right. That, that would have solved it. But no, I bought like a chocolate caramel brownie, like an expensive thick square. Mm, oh, my God. And I ate a corner of it before I had a voiceover audition for AARP today before I came here. I ate a corner of it, and it was horrible. It was like, it was horrible. Really? It tasted like poison. It was just, it was terrible. And it was expensive? I think it was like five ninety nine for that. Kid. It was five ninety nine. I didn't have a coupon. Talk about expensive movies are fucking expensive. No, they're not. What are you talking? No, about? No, they're not. Can you imagine? How much does it cost for two of it you to go to movies? It costs seven ninety nine a month for Movie Pass. Seven ninety nine a month. Wait a second. You pay eight dollars and can go to any movie you want. Anything you want. It sounds like we made this You're up. Like they're such our sponsor. a liar. I swear on my eyes. How can you go to any movie you want for $8 a month? Any movie you want. They say if everyone uses it just once a month, they uh-huh. make a profit. Wow. Movie pass. It's crazy. When I joined, That's awesome. it was $9.99. Now it's $7.99. That's incredible. Yeah, we go constantly, so I don't feel guilty anymore. Is it one kind leave. of theater? I mean, is it one company? No. Nope. Wow. There, there's never been a theater that I wanted to go to, with the exception of the one on 23rd Street in Chelsea, which right. is in a New York City, for people that are listening in Uruguay. The only one. <laughs> we have a lot of fans in Uruguay. We have a lot of fan base in Uruguay. We have a lot of fans in Uruguay. Guay. Gray. Uruguay. 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 Chile. What? Venezuela. Shithole. Peru. Get away from our country, you <laughs> stupid idiot. Uncircumcised. Ew, ew. <laughs> I'd rather anything. Do you like that? Ew, no. I mean, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you didn't want anyone to think you <laughs> That I was being mean. The first guy I was ever with was uncircumcised. Like a pig in a blanket. That's why I prefer women. Hit dick with like a serpent with a disease. <laughs> a serpent with a disease. Mm-hmm. It looks like one of those creatures with no eyes. Yeah, I can't. 
But I feel bad for anyone listening who's uncircumcised. Listen. It's not your fault. It's a fa- They can go get it cut off, but a lot of people think it's mangling the human body. Well, some some women love guys. Some, with, I mean, there's a huge homosexual movement to restore the foreskin. Is there? Yeah. What does that mean, restore it? Means it means they have nothing better to do. And they do you come, mean like go get some and put it on? Like stretch it out. Stretch out what they have. I'm still I'm still wondering why that person won't speak to you because you eat a brownie. I think that's the funniest fucking <laughs> no, thing. It's because, like you're doing heroin because all Because I was in food addiction, because I've been in back in food addiction oh. mode. Right. It is similar to other stuff, meaning it does change your, not you, but I'm saying it changes people's personality it makes me more exciting yeah right if i go to friendlies what am i going to do get an iceberg lettuce salad i'm talking about emotions i'm not talking about you know i'm talking about how do you feel you don't know me every day you don't know anything about me hello hello karen yes (laughs) this is karen hi this is dr feldman's office confirming an appointment for karen at two o'clock on thursday i never made an appointment for two o'clock on thursday Hi, this is dr feldman's office confirming an appointment for karen karen has your insurance changed no no my appointment was for may karen hello you're always supposed to say yes in improv i'm not i'm not but we're not in a class oh <laughs> you can reach out to jessica Curson on twitter at capital j-e-s-s-i-c-a capital k-i-r-s-o-n Frank Liotti at capital F-R-A-N-K, capital L-I-O-T-T-I. The show at Hey Fat Pig, H-E-Y-F-A-T-P-I-G. You can find it on Stitcher and iTunes, or you can go to fatpig.libsyn.com forward slash podcast. And finally tonight, keeping with the Halloween theme, The Boogie Monster by Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. Its description reads... Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone talk about ghosts and barbecue and maybe interview people and maybe have had a few drinks before they started recording. In this episode, the Waverly Hills discussion starting point is approximately at the 42-minute mark. This is from a portion of the conversation regarding the sanatorium's so-called death shoot. Also, the Waverly Hills sanatorium is thought to be haunted, so there's disease and ghost talk in this episode of this soundcast. To the death shoot. When I was there and they were doing, uh, they said they had to add the death shoot. I was about to talk about the death shoot. Did they you see? That. Did you go down there? Oh, so it was Tegan and I went there on our little ghost hunting road trip. Explain this death and shoot. Because of the amount of deaths that would happen there, mm-hmm. it was it was like bad for morale. Yeah, you know, these it, people trying to just make it through, and like every day they're just every carting day out bodies, carting out bodies. So they put this death shoot in so they could like. Get them down instead of like wheeling it through the halls in front of everybody. They would get it out, and there was a a sloped chute going underneath back to where they could get it into like a coroner's van, like a concrete tunnel. Concrete tunnel, five hundred feet. Yeah, with steps on one side, but then it was also a ramp, so you yeah. get the gurneys down it. And as soon as like we were doing the like the guy the 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 uh, the tour guide, uh-huh. let's say. Was talking about all these places of the hospitals. Like, and, and when we're, he's like, when we, when I conclude this kind of introduction, you'll be free to roam anywhere you want to in the hospital. And so, as soon as he brought up death shoot, my sister and I both like, we're hitting that death shoot. Yeah. Like, we're gonna be the first people down this death shoot. And we hustled over there, and it was some straight Scooby Doo shit. Yeah, it was just dark, and we're like flashlights, and bats are flying out of it, oh. and you can't even see the bottom. And you get to the bottom, and it's just a bolted door, and you're like, "Oh, I'm just at the end of the death shoot." Oh, you couldn't even go through it. No, 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 no. You get to the bottom, you turn around, locked up. Yeah, you, you just got to walk back up. But it was yeah. just you're just like. Just when you're looking down a tunnel and your flashlight doesn't hit anything. Yeah. Does that feeling? Yeah. When your flashlight, when the, the, the darkness just absorbs the light from it. Like, there's Jeez. nothing here to peek yeah, back I've at been you. looking at pictures at it, and it just looks so, what is it, about seven, eight feet tall? Yeah. About it's seven, eight feet wide. Yeah. And just a, a very concrete, concrete. Just poured concrete slabs. Yeah. And just old and mildewy and creepy. Ugh. But and just to know that that's where they, every person that died there got wheeled down yeah. that. And they say that at the end of that, uh, there were some train tracks. You, they, they, mm-hmm. they, they wheel them out 500 feet to the end and uh, it dumped out right at some train tracks. So sometimes, I guess they had a deal. I don't know what the logistics were but the trains would come by and scoop up all the dead bodies or sometimes just a hearse you know funeral arrangements <laughs> they'd come by but they the bodies would be picked oh, up really? at the end of that shoot oh yeah i guess yeah the, <clears throat> you forget that trains were a major mm-hmm. 
I played a place called the Chapel in San Francisco a while ago, and it was a funeral home. I didn't realize the mission was all train tracks, and that's why there's so many funeral homes on the on mission. I think it's on mission. Mm-hmm. It's because that's where the funeral homes were in San Francisco, and the train would just go down that street and then sp- right to the cemetery. Uh-huh. So you'd have the funerals, and then they'd load them on the train, and they'd get them down the cemetery. Wow. But uh, speaking of dead folks there, um, there's no accurate um, estimation. Some some reports say 8,000. Some, some reports say 60,000. So somewhere between eight and 60,000. Uh, one guy said that he collected uh, – these guys were doing some historical research that he's collected 11,000 mm-hmm. death certificates. So somewhere between ten and 60,000 people died in this place uh, ranging from, like, 1910 to, like, early 80s. So in the course of 70 years – and like I said, not just when it was the sanatorium, but uh, there was about 20 years where it was – what was it called um, – I forgot the name of it, but essentially just a convalescent home, an old yeah. folks' home. And uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of. What were they doing to the old people? Well, oh, we can jump ahead to that. Well, uh, no, you go. You, you got. No, you no. got your pacing. No, no, that's fine. Because uh, you got to talk about the ghosts that are in there already. Oh yeah, we're going to the we're nurse. Definitely, definitely going to get to the ghost. But jumping ahead to that, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. from like sixty-two to like eighty-two or eighty-three, uh, just just an old folks' home. But they just said that there was that was still you know eighties. To us, seems modern day, but that's still 30, 40 years ago. And they were just doing some weird experiments on some old folks, just medical experimentation. Like, I mean, they're doing that now. They're going to do that. Yeah. They're going to test shit on people. Yeah. Man. I mean, there's a story, if we want to get to it, there's a super dark story about, I think it was like a hospital in Japan about like these like super fucked up things they were doing to people. That's very different. If we, if we want that might shatter our lighthearted romp through the supernatural. Because <laughs> that was just about the, the, the horrors of actual human beings. You can reach out to the show on Twitter at Boogie Monster Pod, spelled <laughs> capital B-O-O-G-I-E, capital M-N-S-T-R, capital P-O-D. Kyle Kinane, you can reach at Kyle Kinane, K-Y-L-E-K-I-N-A-N-E. Dave Stone at Dave Stone Comedy, D-A-V-E-S-T-O-N-E-C-O-M-E-D-Y. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can go to their Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Boogie Monster, B-O-O-G-I-E-M-O-N-S-T-E-R. And you can go to starburns.audio forward slash podcasts forward slash the hyphen boogie monster time for our final burst of durst for the show it's from november 1st 2018 called november surprises in which our intrepid correspondent wonders aloud at how close we are and yet still so far away hey guys will durst here with a few choice words about the upcoming election just days away and we find president donald trump unleashing a series of october surprises throwing everything including the kitchen sink up against the wall in an attempt to motivate his base first he offered up a middle-class tax cut to take effect before the election only to be reminded that congress is nowhere near washington way too busy doing the important business of america by trying to get re-elected he then promised to send fifteen thousand troops to repel the hundreds of economic and political refugees who walked across three countries to apply for asylum And he says he wants to repeal the 14th Amendment, which guarantees birthright citizenship to anybody born here. Claimed we're the only country in the world that does that. And he's close, only off by about 30. He said someone told him he can do that through an executive order. Although legal scholars say he's nuttier than the hospitality suite at a brown squirrel convention. And now it's November, and nobody knows what further surprises designed to energize his followers are in store. Perhaps he'll announce the calories at a Big Mac have been cut in half, declare professional wrestling to be an Olympic event, deputize all gun owners with the explicit permission to shoot the hell out of anybody who looks at him funny, make Sadie Hawkins Day a national holiday, suspend gravity in the rural areas of red states, 
and finally, on the day before the election, announced that he had spoken to God, who told him all of his loving subjects should vote Republican. The question of whether he meant God's loving subjects or his own will be debated by cable news networks until Thanksgiving. For Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Go vote, everybody. You can go to willdurst.com to find the Will Durst Journal, which is comedy for people who read or know someone who does. Also, all his dates and deets are there. And, of course, you can reach him on Twitter at W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. Well, that's about it. As I record this, the midterms have passed, and I would not be surprised if there's at least two more years of conflict between the government and the people. Honestly, it's not a new thing. People have been criticizing politics and politicians for a long time. Not always constructively. But it is their right to do so, and that's, I guess, the point. It's the violence and hatred that gets to me. That's why comedy is important to me. It's a break from the drama. And if not always a break, it is at least a release of tension. To be able to laugh at something. Listening to Soundcast reminds me that people are still getting along, having conversations, and laughing about the strangeness that is the human condition. At least that's what it seems like to me. So, for Mark Hershon, Bill Haywatt, Joe Paulino, Scott Carvey, and Suckatash the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast, I wish you a continued happy Halloween-giving, on into Thanksgiving proper, or whatever else you might celebrate this November, as long as you aren't hurting anyone. And, if you would consider sharing this program with people who might enjoy it, I'd be forever grateful for that is what we are hoping to accomplish when we say, please, pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> a laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuckatashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll or call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Saner. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye. Goodbye.